Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the shutdown full cast. <laughs> Two, three seconds in. Was that even three seconds in? <laughs> I am Spencer Hall, uh, editor of Everyday Should Be Saturday.com and editorial director of SB Nation. Joining me on the line, we have a special guest. I'm going to introduce Jason Kirk, our college football editor and uh brain in charge at sb nation uh, say hi jason hey how y'all doing and uh we have a special guest because we've replaced orion with orion typically this is when i intro ryan nanny uh and we start to discuss college football for like seven percent of the podcast and then 93 percent of the time we just tangentialize we're going to tangentialize tonight but we have to do it with a different ryan because ryan jason are you aware of where he is uh, per sources, he's in Italy, which ain't played nobody. It's true. Italy ain't ain't played nobody. Remember, they're a dominant power in the world of soccer that relies on cheating, whining, diving, skullduggery, and manipulation of the rules uh, to get things done. So they're what? Texas? Uh, when asked about Italy, I believe Will Muschamp said, I don't speak French. Yeah, I don't speak. I don't speak ah, Italian. That's a thing, man. When somebody leans hard into not Italy or Italian, they lean into the Italian. That's when you know they're in, they're from the Muschamp belt. I feel like that's when you know <laughs> that their only uh, only knowledge of anything having to do with Italy, Rome, uh, the Vatican, Catholicism, anything, anything is pasta, breadsticks, breadsticks, <laughs> the Olive Garden. Hey, don't it's a fine restaurant. Those people do good work. <laughs> good work. 
<laughs> so joining us and chortling from, I believe you Kansas. You're, you're around Kansas City, or do I have you correct? I am in. I'm in. I'm in Southwest Missouri. I'm in the Ozarks. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's uh. In, in Georgia terms, we're talking more like Macon. Woo. That's our. <laughs> that is our NFL editor, joining us from the the cloak of the Ozarks. <laughs> From Winner's Bone itself, <laughs> Ryan Van Bibber. Springfield, Missouri, which is uh, the, Queen the highest concentration I've ever seen of churches and fast food restaurants. Anyone who's yes. ever spent time in Springfield, every other facility is either a church or a fast food restaurant. It's amazing. Per capita, the highest concentration of chain restaurants in the country. I can't ask you anything you haven't been asked before. So I'll just cop to this being a lame question. How long does it take you to drive to Branson? Uh, 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Depends yeah. which outlet mall you're going to. Mm. Now, have you, <laughs> have you recently, in the past five years, seen a show at Branson, Missouri? I have not. I have not. That's I have seen many a Branson show in my existence. I was thinking about that earlier today. A time that my grandparents took me to see the Oak Ridge Boys there. And let me tell you, if you have never heard Elvira performed live, well, you're missing out. Because well, the Oak Ridge Boys, if you don't know, they had the one guy in the band who could sing really deep. And it was not the guy that you thought would. They had this big, no. they had this big scary, tree-beard-looking guy with the gigantic beard. And you're like, he's the bass. And it turns out it was like the little dude with the gigantic shoulder pads who could hit those low Ds, right? Yeah. Yeah, like real thick black hair. It looked yeah. like he would he would take you in three card money and sing bass to it. Yeah, that dude carried <laughs> that dude carried a knife. Like in that group, that's the guy who carried the knife. <laughs> Undoubtedly. By the way, if you're interested in shows that you can see, uh, currently playing in Branson, we've got a Patsy Cline tribute show. We got Billy Dean. We have Ricky Skaggs, and we have um, Yakov Smirnoff who has a 9-11 mural that he painted himself in his theater. <laughs> I'm going to go see that one day because it sounds absolutely <laughs> incredible. So with Ryan in tow, uh, thanks for joining us. We're going to discuss, um, hopefully, I wanted to discuss the one time when college football and the NFL meet in an alley for an awkward exchange that both inevitably <laughs> regret which is the NFL draft. And because yes. we, because we brought him on as an expert, um, we'll just offer our genius for you. Like, what questions do you have about the NFL draft, Ryan? <laughs> from, from, from NFL experts <laughs> J J Jason Kirk and Spencer Hall. Um, well, let's see. What, what, what do you think, looking at it from a college football perspective, when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals and their secondary. <laughs> Who's a good fit? Um, I'm going to say they're going to lose in the playoffs. Now, you know, they're going to, they re-sign Pac-Man. They're going to have to have somebody opposite Pac-Man. Um, yeah. Okay. So do you, do you want someone who, uh, who, who further uh, continues the Pac-Man lineage or do you want to really contrast with Pac-Man? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, I guess it really kind of boils down to which what college football player is Mike Brown willing to pay for after four years of con of his rookie contract? 
Mm. I don't I don't feel like this year's defensive backs. I don't feel like there's one uh, likely there's... to get in, say, a strip club altercation that no, I can think no, of. No, but I want you to consider who he's playing on the same field with, which would be Vontae's perfect. So yes. you, you would be Jesus. looking you would be looking at a player who you really want to maximize thump. Pac-Man's a veteran. He's not going to take any licks he's not supposed to take. <laughs> he's not going to do anything he's not supposed to do. So I think you want to balance that kind of moderation with somebody who is a car crash in cleats, like Jalen Ramsey, for instance. Yeah. Now, he, yeah. He's, a, he's a legitimately good football player. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if he'll be there for the Bengals, though. Right? When are they he picking? Won't. Oh, no. Bengals are... I, I, the Bengals always... They, they sort of always pick, like, 23rd, right? They're, they're, they're locked so, in you there. You are so close. They're picked 24th this year. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm going to recommend for the Bengals, if we want to just lean all in on um, 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 these sort of, sort of missile-like defenders, I'm going to recommend Derek Kendrick from TCU. Uh, big, big hitter, yeah. uh, classic mm. Big 12 secondary person in that his coverage skills, they're, they're, you'll see some touchdowns, which those are fine. Um, <laughs> but he, he's going to injure somebody, and he's going to play hard, and he's going to play injured too. Um, he's, he's one of those guys who uh, you just say he really likes football, and when you say it and think about it, it's kind of scary how much he likes football. Wow, is he a gym rat? <laughs> Would we describe uh, him as a gym yeah, rat? So. He'll, he'll probably be like a six-round pick, so yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like way too low on the draft board, definitely a gym rat. Like you wouldn't call Miles Jack a gym rat because Miles Jack is a physical genius. So yeah, he's, no- like a, he's, he's like a gym uh, Zeus or something. Yeah. I, I have another draft question. Okay. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Who's the best player in this year's draft that has been kicked out of the University of Florida? Mm. <laughs> Well, that is a let's full, narrow it down to just a position. I was going to say that, that's just that's a full like thirty people who are eligible <laughs> in this. Because remember, like Florida is to co- Florida is to college football prospects. What um, I was trying to think of like a band that you know people were always in, but then immediately got kicked out of, right? Megadeth. Sure, like they are to metal, like what Megadeth is to metal, right? Or early, like, oh, they were in that band, man. They were. And they're, 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 they're G-Unit. Florida's G-Unit. They're Florida's G-Unit, right? They fell out with somebody. Does this make Because Earth? G-Unit's membership has never been the same from one month to the next. No, because somebody, like, for a bunch of rappers, they have the most sensitive, like, biddies on the planet, right? Like, G-Unit's mm-hmm. code of manners must be so arcane as to make functioning for longer than six weeks a matter of, like, brain surgery, right? Like, oh, I didn't write, I didn't write 50 a thank you note. I'm out. Fifty cent is baseball. <laughs> he is baseball. Fifty cent is like a nineteen seventy one baseball man. You didn't gangster the right way. <laughs> unwritten rules. Unwritten, unwritten rules of fifty cent. The unwritten rules of fifty cent. <laughs> um I will of of people currently eligible in this draft who are no longer at the University of Florida, um, I would go ahead and take somebody who actually made it all the way. I'll take somebody uh, he wasn't kicked out. I guess he was kicked out by what? Uh eligibility i'll cheat and i'll say i, I like as a steal keanu neal at safety okay okay take him right. Cause, that's cause, one way to put it. yeah because keanu neal nobody's expecting him to do well and i will tell you this he can knock the paint off a helmet he's he's real big real physical very vicious hitter so i he a diamond in the rough right there will hill part two minus 
some of the more colorful baggage Will Hill might bring. <laughs> See, I like sour there. Because, like, when people say, you know, former Florida Gator, you think, oh, well, where, <laughs> where'd he play his college ball? <laughs> but you went with an actual uh, <laughs> Florida Gator. I, I did. <laughs> Those are hard to find. I did. It's, it's crazy. As opposed to the, the pride of North Alabama. I will tell you, too, by North the way. North Alabama. A hard, a hard NC part. State. NC Louisiana State. Boston Tech, College. Auburn. Auburn. <laughs> a variety of places. I will tell you, too, and this is hitting on a serious point. It's very hard for the college fans sometimes to evaluate a draft or at least start thinking about the draft at all because, one, we don't really care. And, two, when you do start to care a little bit, you look at these guys and go, oh, no, he was awesome. Because they're all like, <laughs> this is the next winnowing process of 1%, you know, 1% go to college and 99% don't. And now of that 1%, you know, 1% are going to go to the NFL of that 1%. Not to borrow a phrase from Urban Meyer. I feel like the only did. group we're going to have any sort of opinions on, as a, as a class of people, the college football fan, um, is quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Christian Hackenberg has been a constant a constant subject for about three years now and will remain so. Um, just because no one knows if he's a quarterback. Like, literally. Should he even be playing football? He might be. He might be really good. I have no no. There's no telling. So like, other than other than quarterback, and especially like the quarterback who played like three or four years, they're all fine. Every player is good. Some are good some not. are great, but every player is good. Yeah, or this. It, like okay, in our current mock draft, as proposed by Dan Kadar, ding, uh, our SB Nation draft expert. Uh, he has the Dallas Cowboys taking Joey Bosa, defensive end, Ohio State. Okay, Joey Bosa in college is an absolute badass, okay? And if I project <laughs> if I project your Ohio State defensive ends up at the next level, I, it just it's not it's not the most confident move for me. I'm not I'm not really totally feeling it. I know, I know. We've we've had there's been successes, okay? But it's not the, like, big shiny move that somebody, like, if you have, say, the Jaguars drafting Miles Jack at linebacker, you're like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, that makes sense. Do that. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, part of that could be, like, uh, Bosa's last season was kind of a dud as far as the numbers go. Like, there, you know, there are a few moments when you look up and, like, Illinois blocking him with four people or whatever. But <laughs> the, the numbers just weren't there this past year. Um, so may- maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, not to get too serious, but Stephen White. Stephen White called it with Bosa. Yeah, and, and remind everybody who did not read just, Stephen White's excellent column on Bosa. What was that call? He was just that he's you know he's good, but he's not the he's not going to be the um, the killer pass rusher that you would like to think he is. Right. I think Stephen's argument was sort of that uh, Bosa's basically already hit a ceiling. Was yes. that sort of the gist of it? Right. Yeah. We, Which... you, you want to avoid the middle schooler. Like, in every in every single situation, like, this was Chris Leak at Florida, for instance. Like, Chris Leak ended up doing just fine at Florida. But Chris Leak probably athletically peaked in high school, right? Like, he peaked his senior year. And then from, yeah. there, from there on, it was a matter of managing that talent. There was no next developmental step to take. He was not going to get taller. He was not going to get, you know, better at recognizing reads. Um, you were just going to be able to polish this thing, which was always going to be, what, an 88 out of 100, right? That was as yeah. good as he could get. Whereas if you look in this draft and you go, well, how good could Laramie Tunsil get? Well, shit, Laramie Tunsil could get a whole lot better. 
He wasn't asked to do anything too complex in terms of blocking, and he could get bigger and stronger. Right? Yeah. Like there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of potential growth curve left for Laramie Tunsil. I just worry that somebody like Bosa, Bosa might be a he might be the middle schooler in this draft. Right? Like he was really impressive at Ohio State. That's maybe as impressive as he could get. Yeah. It's interesting. Why is it from the? I mean, this is like there's. It always seems to be a tendency with NFL draft, especially with draft Twitter this time of year. (laughs) They sort of lump anyone from a school together. Like everyone from Ohio State is this profile. Everyone from or every defensive player from Oregon is going to be when they get to the NFL. Every oh, is it is it like? Like every Oregon defender is going to be, oh, they're fast finesse guys, or like like that kind of stereotyping. Or yeah, the Dion Jordan, you know, everyone's going to everyone any any defensive end from Oregon is going to be Dion Jordan. That's right, right, right. So they're looking at DeForest Buckner and thinking we don't yes. want another Dion Jordan. Right. Yes. Even though he's like you know much stouter and you know stronger and all yeah, that. Yeah, like stuff. like the phrase with Dion Jordan that always came to mind for me is I was like, ooh, he's surprisingly lanky. Like, not exactly, <laughs> not what you'd want, right? Like, you know, you kind of, people were talking about him in the draft, yeah. and I was like, mm, he's a little light in the biscuits, man. Like, he's not, <laughs> that is not somebody, that is not somebody who, when he walked on the field, you went, wow, I bet he hurts a chair when he sits on it, right? Whereas, I, I think part, part of that in specific is Pac-12 pass rushers, to me, you can go back and look at the numbers, and I'm not being regionalist here, but you can look at the numbers, and Pac-12 pass rushers don't quite produce at the next level uh as a whole always obvious exceptions but yeah yeah, i I sort of feel like they don't face very large offensive linemen you know and then you and then you then you ramp up the offensive line size by 20 pounds across the board and it doesn't quite line up i mean buckner could be the exception there always are but i I will say i I will say this ryan in in defensive I, i will try to defend nfl draft twitter as much as i can oh man i know because you know my natural my natural impulse is to just back my ass up, ass up, and just shit all over it. I don't want to do that. Okay, <laughs> like that's that's my first impulse, and I'm going to fight that. Okay, in order to be a, a better and more compassionate human being. And I think Jason will back me up on this. That that siloing of recruits into different kind of brands, right? Like, well, it's a defensive end from Oregon, right? Or it's an offensive tackle from uh, Alabama. They're looking for those specific categories, right? Like they're they have systems and they tend to crank out uh, the same kind of player. I think the schools that make it toughest for that are schools like TCU where they take tweeners or they take mm-hmm. players who might be a hybrid or might be sort of in between one position or another and then turn them into stuff. Like I don't blame anybody for being real confused about Josh Dotson because Josh Dotson plays in a system, first of all, where he's going to get the ball a lot. And two, um, he is um, – you know, he's a guy who I think in theory could probably play two or three positions. He's just that gifted an athlete. He just happens to be a ridiculously productive wide receiver within a system. So, like, when you're looking at, like, what silos to sort of pick a player out on, it gets real confusing when you get to a hybrid player. And I just think that's, like, organizationally, that's hard for somebody to look at analytically, right? Like, yeah. I think analytically you want to reduce things to – simple variables for players that you're going to spend a lot of money on 
and it gets really complex when you look at somebody like him or like Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman out of Baylor yeah. is another example of a player who he's in a system and he was a badass in that system. What's going to happen when I put him somewhere else? Is he going to have the same value, right? And, and defensively right. too, like like defensively, I have sympathy for that too because like I don't know what do you do with a Will Fuller, right? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a cornerback? Do I just have him returning kicks, right? Like that's that that's difficult for me to figure out as an analyst because I'm trying to reduce things to a really pitchable, easy, understandable level in terms of variables and value in football because you have 11 players on the field at any time is a lot about context. So I, I get that. Yeah, I have some sympathy for that. So like there's the one brand that's, you know, if someone comes to you and they say, Hey, in this mock draft, uh, Next year, we got an Alabama defensive tackle at, like, 14. You say, fine, book it. You know, Alabama starting defensive tackle in the top 20. Yep, that'll happen. There's that, and then there's also the other side, which is, like, you know, this Big 12 quarterback threw for 5,000 yards, and he'll be, like, a six-round pick. Does that sound fine? You'd say, eh, probably. (laughs) So, like, there's the two sides of it where certain schools and certain conferences have sort of a track record that you just say, yeah, that I guess that works in their favor. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess against the SEC, it'd probably be, like, quarterbacks. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to hear what your perspective is on that, Ryan. Like, is that fair to do that? You know, like, I think Jason and I have said that, like, yeah, to an extent, it's fair to do that because schools look for, for particular types of players. Yeah, and you always see it more with like offensive line. I mean, the certain groups, linemen groups. I mean, you know, the, <clears throat> on both sides of the ball, there's. I feel like Alabama offensive linemen are always pretty good, but they're always kind of beat up when they get to the NFL. I mean, you're always you're never gonna get. It seems like you're never gonna get much mileage out of them because somebody's already running pretty ragged by the time they get to, to the pros. Or, hmm. um, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> the annual admission by like four <laughs> Alabama starters that they like broke their legs in week three and played through it. <laughs> that happens every like, year. I, yeah, and like I remember being really excited when a certain team took. Um, oh hell, I can't think of his name now because it was such a, it was such a grand disappointment. He was the center from Alabama in 2013. Uh, Barrett Jones. Barrett Jones. Yes, yeah. Barrett Jones could play all five spots on the line if you really had to. Outstanding career, and then he comes Super, to the NFL. Like, he's like. Super smart dude, like like yeah. ridiculously intelligent guy. Which you want in a center. I mean, like yep. the people, the, you you really need a smart guy in the middle of your offensive line. And then, sure enough, he's just like he's got foot surgery in the off season. He's got to have. He's got knee surgery. He's got to have in the off season. He just like, and I don't even know. I mean, he might have been on a practice squad somewhere last year. He's he's sort of the flip side to the Russell Wilson, which like. Russell Wilson, if you had told college football fans Russell Wilson is going to go three rounds after Ryan Tannehill, they would have laughed at you until, you know, until they collapsed because that's, that's incomprehensible. Every, <laughs> every college football fan would have said Russell, Russell Wilson should be a top ten pick. I don't give a shit how tall he is. We would have also said the same about Barrett Jones. So only listen to us sometimes. <laughs> right. Like, that's... I mean, Barrett, I'm sure Barrett Jones is still a quality player if healthy, but... That's, and that's, who's that guy this year? Who's who's the guy this year that's just going to be Cardale Jones for everyone but Ohio State fans? <laughs> Man, Cardale, Cardale, because they actually they actually saw his 2015. <laughs> that's another thing with with quarterbacks. 
Like, I feel like there needs to be some agreement between college quarterbacks and quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators and the NFL. They need to come to a truce, and they need to say this and understand. Playing, and this is my best analogy for it, is this. That everyone in the NFL at quarterback goes to law school and that you're going to, for three years, you're going to not do much and you're just going to look at a bunch of arcane rules and stuff. And then and in year four, you're going to learn actually how to do your job, right? Like no one goes to law school to actually become a lawyer, right? You go to say that you've gone to law school and then you have to learn to practice law. Right. Right. That That's quarterback. Nobody touches, nobody touches a, a case file or a docket, or sees a judge for three years. Because if you look at people in the NFL who have been successful in those first three years, it, it ain't good, and it's a lot of extremely, like, people who are so physically gifted they couldn't help but be successful within the right context, right? Like Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Like, Colin Kaepernick was so physically overpowering, so dominant, so gifted, that when he had a quarterback coach like Jim Harbaugh, right, who could just put him in a real simple system. He just went nuts. Or Cam Newton, somebody who is – Cam Newton, by the way, best college football player I've ever seen, like ever. As we said last – like two weeks ago, 50 touchdowns. Dude accounted for 50 touchdowns in a season by himself from the quarterback spot while giving significant carries to the running back. Like an absolute freak physically. Those are the people who do well. And I think, like, draft Twitter, if, you know, I can just hedge a really gentle criticism, everyone who wants to say that a quarterback is a failure, um, those are mostly engineered failures. They're, they're mostly failures of a system because no one should be playing a position that complex for at least three years. End, end of sermon, end of quasi-rant, but, like, three years because it's just, it's just <laughs> that hard. Yeah, on, on that note, in defense of our guy King Cardale, like, we saw him under Tom Herman. Tear apart Alabama, you know, tear apart Oregon, tear apart, you know, tear apart Wisconsin. And then we saw him under this sort of slap together multi OC thing where they were moving upstairs and downstairs and eventually Zeke yeah. Elliott took over and things didn't go so well. <laughs> so I just I just throw all that out and just look at his um, his 2014 touchdowns and his tweets. Which yeah, are like, good. like, do you know, the most terrifying thing to me here, like, is this I'm going to just read where this is quarterback situations. Number two, Cleveland Browns, Jared Goff. <laughs> like, what I what am I supposed to do with that? You're just setting them up to fail. So, if like, uh, on that note, like, RVB, why, 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 why wouldn't they just draft, like, you know, offensive linemen? Because, like, they're going to be back here next year. Get a quarterback then. I don't why understand do they, that why either. Do they always draft a quarterback with nothing around him, and then you be surprised when he RG3. dies. So you've got RG three. Find some second or third round developmental guy. Take a shot on him. Get some linemen because you lost. All, they lost all their linemen in the off season, and it's yeah. I don't know. There's a, that. It's that weird that they put that value on quarterbacks, and then it's. It's the expectation that because we took you in round one, you're going to have to play right away. And if you're not Andrew Luck or Cam Newton, then to hell with you, sort of thing. Uh, and then and three years are ruined, and we're right back picking some other poor poor sucker. Like, yeah. build the nest before you put the baby bird in it. Browns. Exactly. Exactly. The Sam Bradford rule. 
<laughs> Beaut- our beautiful, beautiful baby bird, Bradford. <laughs> still falls out, still falls out of the nest and breaks his collarbone. It doesn't help that the NFL has boy. a love affair with bad, dumb, stupid coaches. Yeah, oh, no, no. well, that that and this, like, I mean, on paper, the Browns could kind of have a plan, right? Like on yeah. paper, on paper, like, oh, let RG three play, like you know, three or four years, and then we bring on Jared Goff, who will have learned all kinds of stuff. Like on paper, that works. They just have to stay committed to it for three or four years. I want you to think about your decisions regarding your telephone service, home internet, and other utilities. How, how long? Three or four years is a real long time before you're like, ah, screw AT and T. I'm gonna go to Verizon. So, like RG three, I feel that's one that we as college football people have a particular interest in. RVB, they say uh, Hugh Jackson is like, you know a really good fit for him is do you, do you feel this is true i mean he's better than a lot of coaches would be i mean he's smart enough to recognize what players can do well and not try to say not try to force a player to play his way you know has that I mean? ever happened to rg3 before <laughs> <laughs> briefly in 2012 and then in the nfl yeah and then and then what happened well, then the Shanahan's put their Shan- got their Shanahan all over him, and, and... we well, throw on Dan Snyder too. The owners, you got the owners really can screw things up. I mean, that, I mean, that's the thing with the Cleveland Browns. It's like that sounds good on paper. Let RG three do this for two or three years while Jared Goff, you know, sits on the bench, learns the ins and outs of it all. But you know, Jimmy Haslam's, you know, they're going to go four, four and twelve this year, and five and eleven next year. And Jimmy Haslam's going to be furious. And he'll just blow it up again. Yeah. He'll yeah. fire, fire the coach. He, draft another quarterback. Yeah. And that then being then saying that's two years down the road is really probably more generous of Jimmy Haslam <laughs> than anyone should ever be. Could be any minute now. <laughs> <laughs> it really could. Okay. Now, to be fair, Ryan, what are, what are things that college fans might not understand? And are like overly sensitive about here because we we can do that we can do the like make fun of NFL draft all day which by the way you can do because the NFL draft and and the NFL draft community and the Twitter um, they're extremely mockable like there's a oh. number like the cartoonish cloaked racism among a minority of NFL scouts right is is one yes. thing that's extremely mockable another thing is the commitment to analytics. Uh, in a sport where so many things can go wrong, i.e., you know, oh yeah, this guy's just like a, a guarantee. Is anyone a guarantee in a sport where a helmet can hit a knee? <laughs> like, like no, like where you have random violent collisions between large people happening on the field. No, it's it's a, you're gonna look absurd even if you do all your due diligence. It's just and three, the willing misunderstanding sometimes of what happened in college to a player is and the disregarding of any of their success sometimes is. Um, or their failures is is hilarious to us. We could make fun of that all night. I would like to go the other way and yes. ask like like what's mockable, what's wrong, what do like college people completely misunderstand about the NFL draft process? What what can we do better for for you? <laughs> Golly gee, um, I don't really know to be honest with you. It's 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 hard to say. It's You've got, 
I mean, the expectation, it just players are going to have to play right away. And there's just that sort of, you know, the expectation that, well, because this is the NFL, you have to be sort of at that NFL level immediately, whether, you know, you, you, you like it or not, or I don't know. That's a good question. I've never really thought about it from that perspective. What about what about the notion that like college football fans just stay irrationally attached to players? Like no, the the T-boat, like the like I think the least literate and most passionate example of that would be the T-boat phenomenon. Yes. He just yes. needs he just needs a chance. Yes. Yes. And I, we still get emails about that. That's the best part about the Tim Tebow phenomenon and it's always happens. When did you get your last when did you get your last email about the Tim Tebow phenomenon? Um, it's hard to say with email. I don't have the best track record with checking. Yeah, he would not know about about that. I would say I probably had a tweet about Tim Tebow in my mentions, you know, within the last week. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God damn. And it's not like I mean, and I don't have like a tremendous amount of followers or anything. It's not like, you know, I just, you know, you're you're gonna get some in by sheer, you know, by having a wider net. It's a yeah, no, it's targeted Tebow stuff. I don't know what this, it is. This is like somebody, like people tweeting at us, like bring Phil Fulmer back. <laughs> <laughs> he just needs a chance. He just needs one more chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the economics of it. I mean, I guess that makes a big difference for uh, for that and the the churn oh, rate. Your sport that. has economics. <laughs> Wait that, no, money, I, I, money, I think, money can I, only ruin a sport. I think that's <laughs> exactly. the most irritating thing about college football Twitter when it comes to the draft is, uh, you know, you get this sort of congrats to our guys, they're going off to get paid, and you say, well, you know, the NCAA makes nine billion dollars a year, and your school brings in uh, millions and millions. Maybe they could get paid sooner. Stop it! That's no, that's no. We can't pay the players. It <laughs> ruins everything. Got an education. Congrats, congrats to our guys who left in two and a half years and are getting paid, though. <laughs> and then there's this flurry of Darren Rovell tweets about how they wouldn't really get paid anything. Yeah, they'd only get paid some actual money instead of none. Six dollars, six dollars and seventy-eight cents. I'm like, well, listen, Not even like, to go to like, can I, can I give you like the the complete like the complete counter argument to that is this: is if I give if I go up and I just you know like get a sandwich, right? I walk away and somebody's like. Hey, I need six twenty nine for that sandwich, right? Players would only get six dollars and twenty nine cents. That's misdemeanor theft. <laughs> like that's that's anywhere else you walk out with that sandwich, you're walking out in cuffs, right? <laughs> we're at least having or this, we're at least having a discussion with the manager. And yet at the amateur level, it's like no, no, no. This is codified tradition. No, you're stealing a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, the that's there dumb is, as that's just, dumb as hell. You're just legitimating theft at any when, level. When that five guys manager raises his voice at you, you just pay him with knowledge, because as we know, it is as good as any currency. I'm just pay gonna, him with 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 some math problems, some Shakespeare quotes. I go drink. I go drink three beers at Thirsty Thursdays. Okay, Thirsty Thursdays down at Sharky's <laughs> in Gainesville. <laughs> right. And I go and do that, and it's like eight bucks. And I walk out, and I'm like, listen, bro, intersectional feminism. You're welcome. Bye. Like, that's boom. 
Boom. Let's read the wiki. I ain't got time. Just gave you an education. You're welcome. You're now three pitchers. That will be one BA in communications. You're now half woke. You're gonna have to get to the other half, bro. <laughs> like that's it's the dumb. It's the, it's just dumb as hell. The other thing that that college fans do, besides maintaining a loyalty to players past the point of rationality, like Florida fans, I think with Tebow, are like, no, I saw him throw. It was gonna be kind of a mess. Like <laughs> Florida fans with Tebow is like like. Georgians with Outcast reuniting. It was a good. It's just give it, give it another minute. It'll happen. <laughs> They're working on a new album. Any minute now. <laughs> Delivering it sidearm. Boom. Idlewild two. Like, yeah. Like no, it's not happening. Right. Go. Shankonia. Shankonia. <laughs> like that's not happening. And that like, throw that throw went a quim awry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, man, you Rosa Park that one. Damn. That is impressive. <laughs> um, I'm gonna recover from that for a moment. Okay, we have some questions. We we should questions. We, should, we oh yeah, we we got some reader questions here. Jason's in charge of all of them tonight. Jason, fire them at us. All right. So first of all, RVB from Metro Bro Man on Twitter, DBBM52. Decipher that amongst yourselves. How long until Bears fans boo their own draft pick being selected? Uh, are the Bears known as in as are uh, like we know that we know the Jets boo everything. Are the Bears up there too? Well, since they've moved it to Chicago, the Bears fans have had a little more uh, have had uh, to to try to kind. They're kind of like the the working man's version of the working man's Jets fans. So. <laughs> oh shit, that is. They will boo the that, pick that almost blue collar. immediately. Yeah, they will. They'll boo the pick almost immediately. But then they'll be like, then the Bears fans everywhere else will be like, this guy is going to be the greatest thing ever to happen. I can't believe that we drafted him. We are going to be so good next year. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. So they won't follow through. No, they won't follow through. And then, the, and then in October they'll be, like, what happened? And they'll they'll be ready to just you know send the guy packing. Are they? He's the next Shane McClellan. Is it like they're trying to steal the Jets fans' bit? Yeah, that's, that really is kind of what it is. Hmm. Well, they are the second city, so it's not like they're going to yeah, be first. Not. It's not like they're going to be first with the gimmick. Hit the, hit the Alicia Keys. <laughs> <laughs> New York invented complaining about draft picks. New York invented booing. <laughs> no, no, everyone knows that was Philly. Everyone knows that was Philly. We can't even joke we about that. This is this is one we can't even give to you, New York. Sorry. I like that. Though Chicago does have a, I mean, spiteful sports fandom is a pretty good tradition. I mean, there's an ingrained tradition of that in Chicago. I yeah. think anywhere in the Midwest you're going to find that. Yeah, in a yes. lot, of, in a lot of ways. The Midwest and Northeast. Yeah, a lot of that. Like the nation left us and passed us by. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're like America's first job. We remember it fondly, but we don't go back to the office. <laughs> like Boston and Philly are our two oldest cities and they're the nastiest, meanest, crappiest places on the planet. <laughs> That's why everyone goes to California and they're like, it's the furthest away from Boston. That's why it's <laughs> wonderful. It's everything Boston isn't, literally. Warm, drivable. No one wants to hang out. Everyone wants to be alone. It's great. <laughs> that sounds terrific. That sounds awesome. You can get a decent hamburger. There's no good Italian food. It's a real dream. 
<laughs> do we have another question, Jason? We do. From TJ Ramsey 44 on Twitter. When in history were you the most confident a team with the first overall pick would find a way to screw up? <laughs> mm, no, wait, okay, okay. We, I'm going to have to go back and look at historical draft order. Okay. This year, of course, it is the Titans, right? Uh, yes. Is that correct? Okay. Oh, boy. That might be this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've got some good options, but they're the Titans. That's a tough question because you almost sure need like you almost need a time window on it. I mean, like okay, last decade, last twenty years. Yeah, because it's real, I mean, it's really easy to say like, oh yeah, I saw that Jamarcus Russell thing coming. Like, no, no, you, no, you didn't. Shut up. No, you didn't. No, you. Like, I guess he, it, it he, sort of has to be the what you thought going in. I guess. Um, I, I will state this: this year is a strong candidate because it's the Titans organization, and they've done. Very little in the way of convincing anyone that they're capable of doing anything competently. Okay? Like, so, like they might accidentally draft a quarterback again. <laughs> Dude, it's possible. They might, pull a, they might pull a Mike Tice and just completely miss the pick. <laughs> forget. And just forget to file a pick whatsoever. Still the greatest NFL draft moment ever. The Vikings just say, nah. <laughs> the Vikings Bond. just... Punt. We literally we punted <laughs> on a chance to pick up a position. Bye. Mike Tice stood up and said, I yield the floor, Your Honor. <laughs> I'm done with the witness. No further witnesses. No further graphics, Your Honor. <laughs> I, and I would maybe, I mean, I don't want to rule out. I know, you know, Winston had a solid rookie season, but that's also Tampa Bay. And the Glazers, when the Glazers are involved in things, they don't usually work. No, not at all. They just tend to over-leverage. That's it. It's an amazing business strategy is to over-leverage everything you do by borrowing a lot of money to cover your debts. Can I actually give you the honest answer? I went and looked it up. And the honest answer for me is 2003 with the Bengals because – if you remember, like the Bengals are a quasi competent team and organization now, right? Mm. That wasn't always the case. Okay? Like historically they've been a joke. So I think two thousand three, I believe, is the year when they yes. have a chance and they end up drafting Carson Palmer, who over time becomes a really good quarterback, both for them and other people. So they didn't actually screw that up, but that was the number one team where I was most convinced they would make a serious mistake. And before that, the, the, it would probably be 2000. Because, uh, and, let's see, RVB... You're do, skipping over somebody. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving that for you, my friend. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> although, I, although, actually, to be fair, we traded for the 2001 number one pick, so... That is correct. I, I, that is correct. Now, you we, could, if, we, if, we if you saw that one coming, you didn't skip we meaning the Atlanta Falcons, the team that Jason we, Kirk cares we, we, about. We meaning just me. I'm not. I'm not implicating anyone else here in that. For, for reasons, <laughs> for reasons I cannot understand. Um, the other time would be 2000. Uh, do you remember who had the number one draft pick? If I tell you the year 2000, RVB, Cleveland. That is correct. And who did they end up drafting in 2000? Um, the year before 99 was Tim Couch. 2000. <laughs> That's the. Uh, they had the number one pick two years in a row. <laughs> they did, uh, and uh, it would it'd be Courtney Brown at defensive Courtney end. Courtney Brown. Yeah. Now, can I give you, by the way, can I just give you a, a draft where 
I'm not saying all these people were failures. <laughs> but man, there are there are some there are some genuinely curious picks in here, okay? The 2000 draft. <clears throat> Cleveland drafts Courtney Brown first, okay? Which that worked out eh, not really. <laughs> Redskins draft LeVar Arrington. Redskins, who have the third pick, too, draft Chris <laughs> Samuels, a tackle at Alabama. And number four, the Bengals, rushing in the door. <laughs> they, draft, oh, no. they draft Peter Warwick at wide receiver out of Florida State. <laughs> Ravens make a good pick. Jamal Lewis, I know he did time for dealing Coke, but he was a good running back. Ends up setting a record or two. They draft him out of Tennessee at fifth. Uh, Corey Simon at defensive tackle for the Eagles. Uh, Cardinals end up drafting Thomas Jones at running back out of Virginia. That doesn't really work out. I'm not laughing at the Steelers for this. It was a good pick, and he's a great wide receiver. He just ended up doing something stupid with a pair of sweatpants. Plaxico Burris out of Michigan State ends up getting that eight spot. Uh, The Bears, we were just crapping on him, but uh, congratulations. You drafted Erlocker at middle linebacker out of New Mexico. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, you made an error. 10 spot you draft Travis Taylor in Florida. <laughs> never never draft n- never draft a Florida offensive player. Just don't. Unless his name's Fred Taylor or he's son of Fred Taylor, just don't do it. You draft Travis Taylor. Maybe you thought he was related to Fred Taylor. I won't blame yeah, you. Yeah, Fred's Fred's cousin. Fred's cousin. That's how you got this spot. Well, good. You got a signing bonus and you stole it cuz you weren't that great. I'm just going to go like a couple sub- selectively at this point. Um <laughs> uh that would be the San Francisco the, the Oakland Raiders at seventeen draft a kicker. They draft Sebastian Janikowski, which I'm just gonna and, uh, say, I'm just gonna say that's a hell a, of a kicker. That's a damn fine pick. I don't care. First round I draft no a kicker. If you're gonna draft him, draft Sebastian Janikowski, damn it. He could hit from seventy. He's an absolute miracle worker of a kicker. So the most uh, consistent raider of the last sixteen years. Yeah, so <laughs> man, I'm not can't make too much fun of you for that that was pretty that, <laughs> that ended up being pretty awesome for you way to go but that's, i will tell you about uh, this. that's seriously one of the best picks in raider history right he's at least probably the, last, the only like, hall of years. famer in the first round from that draft phew damn also this was my this was one of my favorite drafts ever both for the high the high failure rate across the board and because lavera news coles who got kicked off the team by bobby bowden <laughs> Uh, because Peter Warwick stole something. That's actually what happened. Lavernus Coles fell in the middle of his 40 and still ran like a 4-5. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, he was sick fast, and he ended up having a better career than Peter Warwick. So good for you, Lavernus. I hope everything's going well for you. Jason, we got another question? Yeah, we do. This one, uh, this one, this one will be one for everybody. Uh from Jim Gbo, the Gax on Twitter. <laughs> Bigger crapshoot, college football recruiting or the NFL draft after the second round? Ooh. Which, RVB, give us some sort of a sense of, I guess I guess these days it's different because they break it up by day, so teams sort of have a chance to reset and everyone gets sort of a, uh, I guess there's less chance you get you get swindled by Bill Belichick if you actually have a full day to gather your bearings. Um, but after, after the first round, are, are, are teams panicking? Is things falling apart out there? No, I mean, not really. I, you know, 
it's there's sort of a science to it, and even the bad teams that maybe can are lucky to win four games a season can do okay if you stick to certain things in the draft. Like you know, find some offensive line. There's guards. There's guards down there that you can usually count on for a few games at least. It's you know, kickers, punters. You can always grab those guys late, and they're okay. I mean, it's not bad running backs nowadays. Running backs are a good, a good safe pick in the middle part of the draft. So it's not a crap. Sh- I mean, you can be really dumb about it and still be okay with, you know, five or six picks after the first round. I guess I'd say the two things that the NFL has going for it here are, one is they have so commodified humans that they've got them all ranked that if there's, you know, this running back goes, fine, grab the next one. We've ranked, ranked 87 of them. Get the next one. You know, we'll, we'll pay him some money. He'll probably get hurt. We'll draft another one in two years. Fine. You know, this, this, if, if your top defensive end goes, great. Grab the next one. Like, you don't have to spend time courting the next one and flip him away from your rival and, you know, uh, uh, you know pretend you care about him as a human and all this stuff that college coaches have to do. Um, so I, I guess they've got it down to such a, such a, such a cold, hard science that, uh, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. The, like, the worst that can happen is you get your next favorite guy. There's that, and there's also, um, you know, I'm going to be honest, I forgot the other one. But that alone... That's that's a pretty pretty big advantage. I would I would say this that like the things I make fun of the things I laugh hardest at when you look at a draft is when somebody picks like a college wide receiver. I would pick wide receivers based on how obscure they are. Like like sight unseen. That would be my only rule. Somebody would say, "Do you have an <laughs> algorithm for that?" I'm like, "Nope, nope, I don't. I really don't. I'm just gonna look for like this is what I'm looking for in a wide receiver." And I don't know how many NFL GMs understand that. What I want is a wide receiver who made spectacular catches despite playing in a shit offense. Okay? I want wide receivers who had terrible quarterbacks who put up huge numbers. And I want wide receivers who come from either small schools or so overwhelmingly powerful. Like, I think this would be a great litmus test for me if you're an NFL GM. Go to a college fan and be like, hey, man, who's a player that you can name who's on a school you can't name? Because T.Y. Hilton is that dude, right? Like, T.Y. Hilton yeah. T.Y. Mm. Hilton was FIU. <laughs> and T.Y. Hilton at FIU, by the way, was absolute fire. Like, everyone knew who he was. Like, oh, that dude. Yeah, he's on the wrong team. Like, that's, <laughs> like go find a wide receiver, not who was on the right team. Like, Julio Jones is weird. Julio Jones is an astonishing athlete and a fantastic wide receiver who played at Alabama. He is the exception because he played on a marquee team and was awesome, right? Whereas yeah. whereas if you look at everyone else who's competing here, right? Where did Antonio Brown go to school? Central Michigan, okay? Like where did Brandon Marshall go? Brandon Marshall went to UCF. I am going mid-major. I'm I'm going to find like the biggest dude on a mid-major team and be like you are my starting wide receiver. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that you will absolutely rip shit up. There are made there are guys in the top ten, top fifteen receiving who played on major schools, okay? Uh but then there's like Brandon Cooks. We play in Oregon State. And he's absolutely <laughs> incredible, right? By the way, I built in that rule about playing 
brilliantly in a crap offense just for LSU wide receivers, not for anyone else, just for LSU <laughs> wide receivers. Yeah, I, would I, draft, I feel like I would draft five deep on LSU wide receivers because they're <laughs> criminally underused. I think we have to include Odell here because it's you know it's it's an FCS offense with an NFL defense every year basically. <laughs> I'm just kidding, LSU fans. I defend your quarterbacks all the time. <laughs> what, like, does this apply to other positions too? Is it just if you're the man on a small school, then that carries some extra? Like, There's a no, surprising I've, I've, amount absolutely. of quarterbacks from smaller schools too. Like, yeah, this is this is the NFL. year of the the mid major FCS quarterback. Yeah. Including Cal, dude, Jar- <laughs> dude, Jarvis Landry. Basically, if you are a guy who bleaches part of your hair and comes from the LSU depth chart at wide receiver, just take them because you know what their potential is more than they've displayed. Like if you have 800 yards receiving at LSU with that offense, you can do 1600 in the NFL, no problem. Done. Just pick them up, right? And yeah. if you and if you look at the top 10 for quarterbacks in the NFL, like. It's. I mean, there are some majors in there, yeah, but there's also Boston College. There's Ole Miss. Shut up. Don't act like Ole Miss. That's <laughs> not a major quarterback school. Look who their quarterbacks are. Bo Wallace. No. Bo Wallace is not going to the NFL. Shut up. <laughs> his last name's Manning. That's the primary the most, determinant of his, the of most his success. The elite quarterback of them all came from Delaware, so. Exactly. Yep. Flacco came from Delaware. Ben Roethlisberger came from Miami. Okay, Derek Carr's Fresno State. Russell Wilson went to two schools that didn't know how to use him. Right, Wisconsin and NC State. Actually, it was pretty well understood at Wisconsin in terms of how he functioned. But whatever. Okay, Jameis Winston went to Florida State. Their quarterbacks suck. I didn't. They've actually been pretty good. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> but yeah, if you're like the obvious dude at a small school, take that guy. Take him. All that dude wants to do is wreck shop. So I feel Tyler Lockett. Oh, listen. Oh, can I give you Tyler Lockett is like the premier case for me of take that guy. Shut up. Like, like that's one of those times when I revert to being an old school college football fan and being like, why the hell did you not snap him up? Why was he not a first dra- first round draft pick? Right. Like, why was he not an obvious like get him do anything to get him? Because all you see is a crap ass Kansas State offense handing the ball to Tyler Lockett. And he just destroyed people over and over and over again to a degree above the standard deviation we would accept from a standard Big 12 defense. Right. Everyone's going to torch a Big 12 defense. Tyler Lockett went above and beyond that. Like guy just got open no matter what was happening no matter what human jugs gun was throwing to him he was incredible i'll say tyler lockett was for sure last year's russell wilson for the college football fan so that increases our hit rate a a little bit because you know (laughs) we're at at least like 20 we're at least like 23 percent tyler lockett would have been a first rounder on every college football fans board without a question I, I guess we just like the like the five nine ish guys who you know <laughs> whatever position they play that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and another one last year would have been Tevin Coleman. Oh yeah. yes, absolutely. Who you know uh, he was literally like he, he wasn't just the man on a mid major team against other mid majors. He was the man against Big Ten teams all by himself. Yeah, although there there is this by the way, and I don't really know how it happened. 
But you know who was ninth in rushing yards last year somehow in the NFL? And a college fan, fan would have said, no way. Impossible. Ninth, ninth would be Frank Gore at Indianapolis. <laughs> Which Frank Gore, when he came out of college, had already like blown five ACLs <laughs> on each knee. <laughs> like he'd gone through like he'd gone through a morgue's worth of corpse donated ACLs by the time he came out. We're like, nope, nope, don't touch him. That's all. Pro. Are you sure he ran for all those yards last year? He might have just been walking, and folks were like, you know what? Respect to Frank Gore. We're He's unkillable. Just everyone get out of Frank Gore's way. He's thirty-two. God, that's that's like that's like ninety in running back years. <laughs> yeah, don't don't hit him hard. Watch this. Frank Gore's going to run for a thousand yards next year. <laughs> he damn near did it last year. Is it nine sixty-seven? You're like, you're like, wow, man! You just got like a series of post-it notes and paper clips for ACLs, and he's like, what? Got a thousand. <laughs> there, we'll end it. We'll end it there. That's great. That's Pep Ham- the Pep Hamilton offense. We'll we'll end we'll 